folks, if you're looking for a great show, you're saying, I don't know what show to listen to. Stop listening to Fox News and start listening to Patriot Strong Podcast. Stop listening to fake media and Newsweek and Newsmax and start listening to the Patriot Strong Podcast. Make it your daily mission to listen to this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you so much, Courtney. Have a great day. Hi, everybody. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode of Patriot Strong. I am thrilled, honored, and privileged to be sitting here tonight with my friend, Kathy. Um, we met last year at an event that was held for General Flynn. And since then, we've become really close friends, just sharing everything back and forth. And she wanted to sit down tonight to share her God testimony and to share her story with you guys. I'm going to keep the introduction kind of short because I want to give her all the time in the world to get this message across because it is going to change lives. And I know it's going to help somebody listening. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me and for taking the time to share your story. I know how important it is. Thank you. Um, I'm Kathy. Uh, I, uh, I'm super excited to come on here and share this story because many times I've tried to share it and it's been blocked or taken down. And, and I feel like I found, um, I found God's instructions for us biblically to help us with the spiritual warfare. Um, that's all around us, but, uh, I guess I'll just start at the beginning then Courtney. Yeah. Um, so I was born and raised in a very um, religious home. Um, my father was a prison chaplain, a preacher, pastor. Um, and I had, you know, a good family home, nuclear family, and unit. And I was raised very strict. So we went to church three times a week. And then when I hit about 14, 15, I became this rebellious teenager that, um, you know, had some church hurts some religion hurts. And, uh, so I, I started down a different path and I, uh, growing up, I always wanted to go to Bible college. I never did that. And I ended up, you know, uh, getting pregnant at a young age, 19, having my son who is my pride and joy and, um, getting married. And I, I was married for 12 years or 10 years or yeah, no, I was 12 and together 14. Um, and my marriage was, you know, what I've learned now at my age is the, there's two most important things in your life. The first one is who you serve, God or the things of this world. And the second one is who you marry and have children with, because that impacts generations of happiness. If you pick an unhealthy relationship, those behaviors are going to pass to you and your children and down and so on. Um, I picked a very unhealthy marriage that was very abusive both mentally emotionally and physically and um i started self-medicating to cope with with my marriage and my life um i would i would like i said i was a young mom and then i got married and thought oh he said all the wonderful things he was perfect and and at first it was um but then when it changed it changed and then there was a traumatic thing that happened with my family and we both handled it differently. Um, he was angry and I, we both blamed each other um, in this situation, but to make a long story short, I started drinking away the pain and he was very, very angry and um, became very abusive. And 
I thought I would save my marriage and we moved away to a whole nother city. I didn't have any family left in the state, anybody, any friends. And at the time I was managing um, a lot of people and um, a, a really stressful job. And um, my children at the time were 14, nine and an infant when I came home and I thought I was just taking the abuse, but it ended up, you know, um, my son and daughter, you know, giving me an ultimatum. Um, and I knew that even though I was, I was terrified, right. I was terrified to be, and in a city, I don't know anyone in a big mortgage and bills and the nuclear family wasn't there. And it was just me with, you know, multiple juggling of events and different things. And it was just too stressful, but I maintained the house and, uh, tried my best, never missed a mortgage payment, always took care of my family. But behind the scenes, I was really broken. I felt no self-worth for myself because I felt like I didn't, I failed at my marriage. I didn't protect my family. I, I was worthless. If you're called names like that too many times, there's a power of words, right? Um, I, I think there's a scripture in the Bible about your tongue being the sharpest, right? Or something to that effect. But you know, once once you're told that so many times and you it just becomes beat in your head that you're nothing, you you start to believe it. And I I I was just a broken hot mess and I started to have negative consequences. You know, I, I was getting an OWIs, you know, um my kids were not talking to me, upset with me. I was ruining friendships, relationships. And uh and then you know, so I went to rehab, you know, and I, and I did great for a while. And then there was another negative consequence. And then I did great for a while going to meetings. You know, I will say that AA, I learned a long, a strong support system and there's some really good stuff with AA and um, Celebrate Recovery is also a great program. But I had been in the rooms and I, um, I kept taking back my will, you know, I do well and then I take back my will. And it was always, even when I was in AA or Celebrate Recovery, or I was trying, there was always that unquenchable thirst. You know, somebody once asked me, what is it like to, how, how do you want to drink when your life's crazy? I mean, there's this unquenchable thirst. What is it like? And the only thing I could think to say is, I guess it would be like a vampire, you know, like once they take a drink. They can't stop. Well, for me and many people, one is too many, two is never enough. And you know, I'm, I'm pretty small. So when I drink, it doesn't take much. And I didn't drink to go out and have fun with everyone. I mean, I would try to do that, but then all the pain of all my life and all the trauma and everything just, it would constantly eat at me and, and my self-worth. And, um, Kind of, you know, there was some some huge moments in my life that were really impacting. One of them, I was, uh, you know, I it, it's so painful that my my at the time my counselor and therapist said it was okay to call it a stranger, but I'm going to tell the truth about something that's even hard for me to face. My my dear friend was dating a man, and he was my friend too, and he was in our town, and uh, we had became great friends, and. He, he had kind of been working on the road and nobody had seen him. And he came back to town and I heard he was in town and I walked in like I always do. 
hey, how's it going? And it was late. I had been out. He had been out. And uh, he looked at me. As, I could just remember his eyes were so black. And he walked up to me and said, do you want to die today? And I was like, what? And he grabbed me by the throat. So at that moment, like I do what every girl, and you go for the private that you're taught. And he, he pulled back his fist and he punched me in the face. And it broke my nose and my cheekbones. And there was so much blood. I looked down and I looked up like, why are you doing this? And when I looked up, he had grabbed a pheasant hunting, bird hunting gun. <laughs> I didn't know because I'm point blank range. So I think, wow. And in my, in my mind, I'm like, his eyes, I just remember they were so black. That's like the one thing I can truly remember is they were so black. And um, he, uh, he shot me at point blank range four times. Each shot felt so real. I really thought, this is it. This is it. So I, I fell to the ground and I curled up to play possum. And once the gun was done, he dropped it and he kicked me over and over on, on the side that I was shattering all my ribs and took off. I crawled to my phone and I and I called his dad because I knew his dad lived close to, to town and his dad came running there and his dad had called the police. By the time I got there, his dad was there and the police, the ambulance. And uh, anyway, I went to the hospital. When I woke up in the hospital, I, there was a victim advocacy and, and a sheriff there. And I'm like in a complete state of shock. Like I have no idea what's happening I have seven broken bones I, I I was just such a hot mess and luckily thank God for the program of victim advocacy it's not part of the state but they um it's a nonprofit, but they really help you out and, and are there for you through all of it well um my nightmares they were horrible. When I first got home, my parents came home. My dad made a board so they could lift me and my mom took care of me and my, my friend Brenda. And I was afraid of everything. I was afraid to leave the house. I was afraid to go back to work. And my nightmares were so bad. I remember one night waking up and I was like, I had, I had grabbed my kid like she was sleeping next to me a little girl and I didn't even and I woke up and realized but I was, it was so terrifying because I was having a nightmare and they were so real and I that scared me and I was going to counseling I was going to therapy and I was in AA I was doing everything I could um but I I couldn't I couldn't stay sober I if I drank wine I wouldn't have a nightmare that night if I if I did that, I wouldn't feel, I wouldn't think about it. And it was just a mess. And, and I had three mouths to feed and I had a big mortgage and I, I didn't know. So I told everybody he was a strange guy because I couldn't handle the idea that somebody I knew and cared for could do that to me. And I asked my therapist, like, I don't think it was him. I think he, he he was possessed or something because his eyes were so black. It can't be normal. A human can't do that. I mean, how could you just do that to somebody you cared about? And I ended up getting in trouble again, another negative consequence. Well, there was a, 
dual diagnosis center that deals with trauma, trauma-based substance abuse for women that have been, you know, domestically abused or near-death experience or true trauma. And uh, I was really excited to go do that. So I knew that my ex and I had joint custody and um, I had primary placement. So the kids lived with me nine months out of the year and they lived with him in the summer and the two older kids were grown and Faith had went off, was going off to college and Christian was grown and graduating college. And I dropped Addie off at her dad's because she was supposed to be there for the summer. And I'd scheduled that I would, I would go in right after I, I dropped her off. So it wouldn't impact our lives and I would get her back in six weeks. And my third day in there, I got, I got, well, let me back up. When I got there, I remember her asking me, give me one thing about yourself you love. And I couldn't think of one thing. But she said, surely there's one thing you love. And I was like, well, I, I guess I can sing. And she said, put that on a post-it note. And every day, I want you to say that to yourself every time you look in the mirror and add another post-it note each day. So the next day it was like, I can sing, I I can paint, I can, you know, and, and over the next few weeks, it became really apparent. I was feeling more proud of myself. I started working out. I started fixing myself up. I started seeing these things to myself and I remember when I was in there, there was a girl that came in and she looked ter really scary. And I did that judgment that everybody does like, whoa, she must have done some hard drugs. She's not sharing my room. You know, I don't want her to share my room. And uh, they were putting her in my room. And uh, each week, a girl, a different girl would share her story. And we would sit in a circle and the one girl would tell her story. Well, it was her turn to tell her story. And I had prior to that, just looked at her like, Okay, she, you know, I just did the stigmatism, like she must have done math, she doesn't, you know what I mean, just things like that, and, and just judged her. Well, then she went to tell her story. And when she was 11 years old, her father sold her into human trafficking. By the time she was done with her story, I was so thankful she was alive. And I realized my life, like, that was nothing what I went through. Look what she went through. Every day we think our lives, oh, woe is and we want to send invitations to our pity parties. But there's always someone else that has it worse. Yeah. Always. Well, anyway, I, I got out of there and my life was great. I had an incredible man I loved. Um, He was such a positive influence as far as a fatherly figure or a stepdad friend to my children. They loved him and I was in love and we were great. And we went to Italy and he proposed. And we toasted with wine, which was a bad decision as somebody who had over a year at that time sober. And then, you know, I was, the cravings were back, but then, you know, I had read a text message. Um, I was home knitting a blanket, making dinner, and the man I loved got a text. And I, uh, and I just knew as a girl, right? Like, I mean, you just get that gut feeling. Um. And I relapsed. And then a month later, my dad died. And he was like my rock. He was the best man I know. 
and I just downward spiraled. I was, wow. I mean, it was bad. And uh, we broke up and I had sold my house to move in with them and to go to the trauma unit. And so when we broke up, I drove away with a car and a bag of clothes. I was terrified. And I was drinking again and I went to my mom's and my mom did what she needed to do, which was, you're not going to be here if you're drinking. You know, sometimes we have to hit a rock bottom and get the gift of desperation. And uh, I had a, I called my, my best friend and uh, she had an apartment, a one bedroom apartment. She's like, you can come back, you can come stay at my apartment. And I walked into it after realizing all the things that I'd lost, you know, um, I, I went and bought a bottle of, of liquor, liquor and pills and, and I was done. And I remember sitting there thinking, I can never beat this disease. Every time I beat it, I fall again. Every time my life's going good, I drink. Every time that I would get some sobriety under my belt. I would do really well and there'd be like this pink cloud they call it an AA where life is so happy and there's no cravings and I'm doing well but there was always that constant in the back man I'd hear about like a martini or a different drink boy that sounds good and it was constant but uh anyway living in that apartment and I'm sitting down and I wanted to uh end my life it was like uh it was like my dad was sitting next to me and, and God, and they were like, I just, I drink like this much and I'm just sitting there and it was like, like, not that I heard an audible voice, but in my head, it was like, is this really your work? Is, is this really what I created you for this? You're going to give up that easy. And I'm like, what? Well, well, I can't do it. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried rehab. I've tried everything. I, I can't do it. And it was just almost like I had this overwhelming feeling and thought in my head, like pour it out, pour it out, meet him halfway. So I met him halfway, started going back to AA. I had a, a, an amazing sponsor who I still think is one of the most incredible sponsors. And she teaches you to be a lady of grace and that you're not unique, right? Like everybody's been through something. And, um, but I had a strong support system. And, and so I managed to stay sober again for a while, constantly going to meetings and, you know, you'd, you'd go to the grocery stores and you would try to avoid the aisle of alcohol. I remember one day going to the gas station now that they have them, you know, right up there, I'm paying for my, my food and there's shooters. And I remember getting so mad at the gas station because I was trying so hard to stay sober, but yet you, you're going to put liquor. Right, I mean, I can't even avoid the aisle. I can't even avoid right. the cooler. You Right beside the candy at your register. I mean, always in our face, everywhere I look, there's like flyers and, you know, big marketing material of all the drinks and everybody's happy life. It never shows the person down to 90 pounds dying, you know, um, just glamorize it. Well, uh, even through that, I relapsed. And uh, then I got sober again. And it was just every day was a fight. And I remember October 22nd of, of 22. I'd already had a year sober. I'd met you, Courtney. I My life was going good. My job was going good. I was going to meetings. I was going to celebrate recovery. I was going to AA. I was staying sober. And uh, 
I remember dropping, my daughter Faith had graduated college and, and moved moved away to Seattle. And I dropped Addie off to her dad and it was a bad moment. And I decided to drive by the house that that amazing man I loved and I had built. And there were trees out, like he was planting with somebody else and I knew. And I just in that moment felt hopeless again. And I was, I was that, you know, so it was a constant battle of staying sober and, and then I drank and I'll never forget it. I woke up in jail for public intox and I had only spent like $20 and I couldn't, couldn't remember anything. So I, I talked to my boss about it and I, had, I hadn't told anybody else, just a couple of people, because I was so embarrassed that I, again, again, I'm such a failure again. And uh, I went home and my dad's Bible was there. And I would play this Russian roulette with the Bible when I, when I felt so worthless or when I needed something. And I opened the Bible and it was Matthew chapter 17 and verse 21. And it said, how be it? that that demon goeth not out except by prayer and fasting. And it, they were actually talking about the kid, you know, where this father brought his son to Jesus to ask him to, to heal him because he was, he was vexed. They called it in the King James version of the Bible. And he would throw himself in the fire. He was crazy. And, and so Jesus rebuked the demon out of him. And then the disciples asked Jesus, well, why couldn't we do that? And Jesus said, because of your faith. For if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could tell the mountain to move yonder and it would, you know? And I, 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 so I, I got my Bible app out on my phone because I had a hard time reading King James version and I, I wanted to see it in different versions. Right. And so I pulled up the NLT and verse 21 was completely not in the Bible app. I looked NIV. It wasn't in the Bible app. So many versions of the Bible I kept checking and it was, it was missing. And I thought, why, why, how powerful of a verse must it be? Then I looked up in that verse. It, it was, um, how be it that that demon goeth not out except by prayer and fasting? I mean, ha, you can't get rid of it unless you pray and fast. That's the only way that that spirit or that demon, yes, he was talking about the kid and the kid being depressed or, or vexed. But it, so I looked up demon and demon was spirit, right? And then I looked up alcohol and alcohol was spirit. And then I started realizing like everywhere you go, when you go and buy it, say liquor and spirits. Spirit, spirit, spirit. And so I thought, well, you know, I wonder, uh, I, I knew God was real. I knew my Jesus was real I, um, because I, I lived that night, right? I should have died. and And I didn't. And um, yes, if anybody's wondering, was he arrested? Yes, there were criminal charges done. Um, it wasn't domestic because I was never with him. It was just, but yeah. Um, back to where I was at. Sorry, didn't mean to lose my train of thought. Anyway, I, I called my mom and I said, mom, this is so weird. This Bible scripture says, um, how be it that this demon goeth not out by prayer and fasting? And my dad had outlined it, starred it, circled it, right? And it was all lit up. And I couldn't figure out, like, mom, what do you think he meant? And my mom was like, well, your dad, he would pray and fast for everything. Um, 
my dad, when he died, had 47 years sober. And uh, once God saved him, he never desired to drink again. But for me, it wasn't that way. Like I, I always took back my will. <laughs> so I, uh, I was telling a few, few people that were also um, struggling. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I can't, I can't beat this. I've relapsed too many times. Nobody has any faith. When I tell my kids what I did, I'm going to lose everyone's again. <laughs> Cause again, I let them down. I said, I'm, I'm going to try this fast thing. I, I'm going to see what happens. And so um, and she goes, well, what if it doesn't work? And I can remember saying, it's got to, it's my only hope. It's got to work. It's my only hope. So I went to my mom's and I, uh, I told my mom, I'm, I'm going to pray and fast. I'm going to, I'm going to do like the Bible says, the Bible says, ask or seeking you shall find, knocking the door will be open, ask. I don't know it all exactly, exactly as it goes. I think it's asking you shall receive, seeking you shall find, knocking the door will be open. I don't know, but I knew this, that I had the faith of a mustard seed. And I had the gift of desperation. Most people don't change unless it's too painful to remain the same. Yeah. It's kind of what's happening to our world and our country, right? Like the whole awakening up, you know, most people don't change until it's too painful to stay the same. For me, my life was death. It was, I, I cannot believe today I'm going to say this, but I believed I was better off. To, I was worth more to my family dead than alive. I Now I can't even imagine thinking that way, right? Yeah. But at that time, that's what I felt. And um, so I, I, I didn't really have, you know, I went to church all the time, but I didn't have that tight relationship with God. I knew he was real, but I didn't have a personal relationship of love and trust. And so I, I talked to him like I'm talking to you. I just said, you know what, God, I am a hot mess and I literally hurt everyone in my life. And I have tried rehab. I've tried everything possible. Your Bible says that you only need the faith of a mustard seed and you can tell a mountain to move yonder and it will move. And I knew I had to give a sacrifice because even in the Bible, Moses would, you know, take a lamb up or, you know what I mean? Abraham, or, you know, and, and they would always sacrifice. And I, we don't do that today, but I knew I needed to show God my sincerity. I just had this incredible feeling that I need to show him my sincerity. And it says to fast. And I had told God how many times in front of the porcelain God, if you help me feel better, I'll never drink again. I mean, I think right. everyone has done that. Right. And so um, I knew I needed to fast. So I, I just told God, you know what, God, I'm going to do exactly what this says. I'm going to do a liquid fast for three days. And I'm going to pray every day for three days. And at the end of that three days, I'm no longer going to desire to drink. You're going to, I'm asking you, God, to please remove the spirit of alcoholism from me. And I would wake up the next day. Okay, today, Father in heaven, I'm going to, I'm going to fast again. And at the end of this, no longer because I have the faith. Now, I, I don't believe that it will work if you don't have the faith. And I don't believe unless you're sincere just like repent doesn't mean I'm sorry, God, and I can keep doing what I'm doing. Right. Yep. I mean, we all do that. We all say, I'm sorry and continue the same thing, but repent is in, you know, to turn away from it means you're actually going to turn away and to change. Um, but I, I, I did. And I'm on that fourth day. So I did that for three days. I remember the last day my mom was staying up with me. I was so hungry. I stayed up till midnight. So after my full three seventy two hours, I could cook a hamburger 
and I had a hamburger with her and then I went to bed. And then on that fourth day I woke up and I, that was October 22nd of 22 was when, um, when I was the last drink I took. And then that week, I remember because I, I went to, a, I was going to go to the awakening tour, I think, but I instead went to a church. Well, it's called Passing the Mantle and it's a convention that I go to it. Since my father was a pastor, it's kind of like a spiritual blessing is passing the mantle. Um, and I had went to that, but anyway, I can remember I didn't even, it was like, I never had a drink. You know, you don't miss something you never had. I can walk into any store. I can go to any restaurant. I can go to any event and, and alcohol all around me. And for the first time, you know, you know, ever that, I, that it just doesn't even phase me. I never ever have any desire. I never even think when I see a drink or somebody says, Oh, I want a margarita or oh that wow, that sounds good. It never crosses my mind. I don't even think it. Now I am gonna say here that I do believe 100 percent that if I take a drink, that protection God gave me is gone. My covering is over. I'm taking that will back, and there you go. Um so that is very much, you know. I don't mess with it. I'm not going to mess with it. And, but I have no desire. Like, I don't, again, I think AA is an amazing program. So I'm not going to speak bad about any of those programs. I'm so grateful. They saved me in so many times of despair, but I am going to say that I, because of my fast and prayer and God removing the spirit of addiction. I mean, if you think about it, the spiritual warfare, if you believe in God, or you believe in the devil, you, you realize they're real. If, if we could see the spirits all around us, we would all behave differently. Yeah. I mean, we would, right? We can't, God gives us free will to choose what we're going to do. That doesn't mean I haven't struggled or I don't struggle with other things, caffeine, other things in my life. I mean, even when I start feeling like I know all I have to do, I don't need to go to rehab. I don't need all I need to do is show God my sincerity, do a fast and prayer and ask God to deliver me and remove that spirit. Now, in the Bible, when he removed the spirit from the boy, vexed was the word, which I'm assuming is like, well, maybe he was possessed. Um, spirit of de um, depression. I had asked God to remove the spirit of depression, the spirit of anxiety. I mean, there's times I still su suffer with, you know, I'm really sad today or and I pray, I, I pray, but here's the weird part. Every time I tried to post this scripture or things about it, it was always blocked. I remember talking to you, Courtney, like four months ago, telling you, I tried to share something and, and it, it just kept saying unavailable when I was sharing it. Yeah. And this is just a Bible verse, a Bible verse, Matthew 17, 21. And if you look on your Bible apps, everyone They'll say, oh, they took it out of this version of the Bible. It doesn't matter what versions of the Bible are most Americans reading. And a lot of them don't have a Bible, so they go to the Bible app. Yeah. So we're sitting on a miracle of God's instruction. The reason it's not in there is because if you truly believe, like I believe that it's a spiritual warfare. I mean, think of how incredibly important your soul is if there's two, two entities fighting for your soul, right? But God gives us free will. But the devil's like, oh, trying to take that right. Good versus evil. So like, let's put in the Bible. I, I, there's even a scripture. Uh, 
about being sober and waiting for his return, right? So a lot of faith and a lot of religion and a lot of different people don't drink. Um, but then God turned water into wine. So then, you know, I believe though, with that hard liquor, when I started to drink, it took me over, right? And I believe it was a spirit. And I believe, well, what I completely can understand is that craving that I could never quench. It's like, I ask other people, you know, people that work Monday through Friday and they can't wait to go out Friday. Can't wait, right? And um, that's, are they feeding themselves or what? what's going on? I don't know, but this is what I know. I know that there must be some power to all that alcohol because they put it out in front of all the kids and everybody now, right? I mean, it's everywhere it's so you turn. True. And um, yet they hide everything that they can. we can do to protect ourselves. So I believe Matthew 17, 21 was removed from the versions of the Bible for today for a reason, because it is powerful and because it can change lives. And uh, I believe God was telling us in there, like the only way you can fight a spiritual warfare is with prayer and fast. If that boy was possessed and God rebuked that demon, the only way you can remove that demon is through prayer and fasting. Well, then that's telling us right now that any spiritual warfare we're having, we need prayer and fast. Now, I don't believe everybody's fast has to be the same, but I need, I believe it needs to be a sincere sacrifice. <laughs> It was, it was a struggle for me to stay on a liquid diet for three days, a liquid fast. I mean, that was tough, right? But God honored my sincerity and my faith. So I guess, you know, my, the thing that I am so blessed with my life today is, um, and I owe it all to God. So I'm going to say that right now, like everything that I have and everything that I am is because of God's grace, love and mercy. He loved me when I didn't love myself. He delivered me and he changed me. Now, am I perfect? Absolutely not. You know, a lot of people feel like, oh, I'm not. Sometimes I need to get cleaned up before I can go to God. You know what I mean? Or I'm, I, I can remember a girl telling me that she was, she was an abomination. She couldn't go to God. You know, the thing is, 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 um, God didn't love my sin, but he loved me. Yeah. And we don't get cleaned up to go to God. We go to God and he cleans us up. In fact, you know, there's certain standards that I, I struggle with or, you know, different convictions or different things. If God gives me that conviction, I stick to it. If it's something I'm doing just to please others, it, it's, it doesn't stay, right? And um, I've felt this overwhelming to share this scripture because I believe, I believe it can change anyone's life if they have a desire to change and they have the faith of a mustard seed and they go to our father in heaven and they and they ask him and tell him and and show their sacrifice i believe that god can heal anyone and i i, I mean sometimes today in my life like i have a, a very great career and job um but more important than that i have all my children back in my life and I have great relationship with them. And I get to be a great mom. And someday, hopefully a grandma, but who knows what the way the world is right now. But I'm extremely blessed. And I don't have to every day have an unquenchable thirst. In fact, I haven't had a thirst for a drink since the day I started my fast. 
not one time. I, like I said, I mean, it's crazy that I can go out and have a great time with my friends, but I also still try to follow the commandments. You know, I mean, there's certain things I'm afraid of. Like, uh, I think that I haven't been able to love or have a relationship because when I heard I relapsed, right. So sometimes I, I think that I protect my heart because I'm so afraid to ruin such a wonderful thing that I have. But again, then that's questioning my faith, right? So I just ask God if he's, you know, if, if there's something in my life that will take me from him, remove it. Yeah. If you want it there, add it. And uh, I'm just grateful today because, because I believe that we need, we need to know how to fight a spiritual warfare because they know how. That's true. You know, it, and, uh, it speaks volumes, um, you know, just how much they try and hide. Like you said, you and I had this conversation four months ago and you're like, okay, if you like go open your Bible app, go get your Bible, see, see for yourself, like you, that it's not in there. And it wasn't for those of you that are questioning, like, she's not making that up. It's an, it wasn't in my Bible app. It wasn't in one of, um, our Bibles we have here, it was in another version, but it was one out of three Bibles that we have, physical Bibles that we have. Only one was it in, so it was removed out of two of them. And, you know, it's just like you said, what what is the power behind that scripture that they would feel like they needed to remove it? Um, and, you know, you sharing your story and your journey and how that scripture saved you know and it's going to speak to somebody somebody listening to this is going to uh, experience the same thing that you did through fast and prayer and I'm so thankful for you and I'm thankful that you are here today and that you are sharing your story and your testimony truly thank you I do want to say something else because I think that uh what I've learned through this is is, is God is love right so much love but I believe you know Forgive me of my trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. I think that it's very important to show love and forgiveness. I, I think forgiveness is key too. I remember being so angry at that, at the man that did this to me. And I remember when I was in the trauma unit, one of the assignments I was given, and I share this because there's many women hurt. There's many men hurt. There's many children hurt in many ways. And we hold on to that anger. Why was I, why was I self-medicating? Because I was so angry, right? Um, we, we self-medicate for several reasons, but some of the major ones are doing something against our moral code, shame, right? When we do things against our moral code, we don't like what we did and we don't want to think about what we did and we don't want to feel what we did. Um, trauma, or in my case, my nightmares, you know, wanting to numb it and, um, not being so angry at my at my ex or angry at the sky or this guy that hurt my children you know I and one of the assignments she gave me was to write a story about the boy that became that man and I, I could literally have anything I wanted happen to him so I wrote a story of a little boy that was brutally hurt and as he grew up, his life just was worse and worse. And he was so angry that I was just that one moment that he just snapped, right? Why did I do that? I did that. I get the assignment was to, it, it was to humanize him. 
so I could feel empathy. And so I could, I could forgive him. Now I pray forgiveness for him. I mean, ended up a few weeks ago, somebody forwarded me because this guy had, he got out now and he's free again and still drinking and he started dating some woman. And then I guess he beat up her mom. And I, I was just devastated. And I reached out and talked to this lady, but I, I pray for him. And, uh, I don't hate him. I, I feel empathy for him. Um, because I believe it's a spirit within him, right? Spirit of anger, spirit of addiction, spirit of hate. Um, but I think that when we harbor and hold on to those feelings, they're not hurting them. They're hurting us. I was so angry, like, oh, I'm going to drink over there. I can't believe this happened, you know. Forget that guy. I'm so upset, you know. It wasn't drinking. It wasn't helping me. It was destroying my life. He was winning multiple ways. So the only, just like the war we're in, in in our world right now today, I mean, you know, I wish people would wake up and realize like almost every guy, most of the immigrants coming over here are, are men, young, single men, thousands and thousands and thousands. What is, what is that? Right? Like, and and, and the only thing that's going to save this world today, if, if my people you know, what, turn from their wicked ways. Yeah. And on, what, he'll heal their nation. I, I don't have that whole scripture right, but, um, but I believe that love and God are the only thing that's going to, that's going to change. And I believe that staying in a constant state of drinking alcohol every day, for me, I wasn't aware of what's happening. I wasn't, I wasn't present in my life to be a good mom, to be a good friend, to, to be a good person. You know, a lot of people don't even think they have a problem, but they drink all the most memorable moments away. Why do you have to drink at a kid's shower? Right. It's a baby shower. Let's party. Um, and our culture today, you know, and then you feel like you're the, you're a messed up person or like, and people with alcohol, they judge them, you know, they judge them so bad. But the thing is, is, or they'll say, oh, she got an OWI. She's a hot mess. So have you ever drank and drove? Because I guarantee there's a ton of people. So judge not lest you be judged, right? Right. And I, I believe that only the power of love can change hate and anger. And uh, I'm just grateful today. I'm grateful for your friendship with me, friendship. I'm grateful for my family. Most of all, my children are my everything. And uh, well, first and foremost, God, but uh, my family, you know, their love and forgiveness and grace that they've shown me. Um, my friends here that I have today that are so supportive, my sponsor and different people in the past that have been there in, in my spiritual friendships. Um, I'm just grateful. I, I really think that we're going into a very spiritual war that we need to be strong for. Yes. And, and I believe that the power of prayer and fasting can change everything. So if my people who will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, right? Isn't that it? Do you remember it by heart? I can't remember. I don't remember it by heart, but I think you have it pretty close, pretty, pretty spot on. Then I will hold their nation, you know? So I don't know. I feel like America is under attack and it's a, a spiritual warfare and it's 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 a fight for our souls and so 
you know, I hate to say this out loud because there's probably somebody on here, but I ask God to give me the words and you, you can think about if you want to take this out, but the Bible says there'll be no drunkards in heaven. Well, what a better way than to put alcohol everywhere they go. Yeah. I don't believe people that have a social glass of wine or celebration or that there's a problem with that. I mean, the Bible even says God turned water into wine, but I, I believe that when you start to drink to get drunk and you drink to get numb and you black out and all those different things, why do you black out? A spirit within you is taken over? I don't know. I just know this, that I did this three little steps. I had the faith of a mustard seed. I fast. I prayed. It's gone. And I want to share that to everyone else. And I love I love that you were able to come on and that you strongly so told your story. I know that somebody listening to this is going to relate to it and you might save somebody, you know, just by sharing your story and your experience in the scripture that saved you, that brought you to the light. Uh, you know, we're experiencing so much spiritual warfare all around us in so many different ways. And more ways and more evilness, um, you know, than people even realize. So I think, you know, once people take a step back and see what's really going on and how, how the evil is just coming at us from all angles, um, you know, like you said, the only thing to do is pray and you're living proof, living proof. I, I, I have never had the platform to just share it, but, um, I definitely want to share it and it's, it's not me saving a life. It's, it's God saved my life. So I need to give back what God gave me to others. So God can change their life because my life today is great. Like I am so blessed. I, I am super happy and I know my worth, you know, today I'm, I, I live by the commandments. So I, I haven't been with a man. I, and you know, I will, if God wants me to have the right one in my life, and you know and hopefully get married someday but if not i'm okay with that um because today i love me and i know god i'm a child of god and i i just i'm just i'm i'm, I'm at a loss of words because I'm, I'm unbelievably thankful and uh i hope you do some editing <laughs> <laughs> It's great. No, you're take, fine. Take the, the rawness and the realness of everything, you know, yeah. it, it just shows. And I think people relate to that. Um, but I am very thankful that you found the strength to share the story. I know there was a lot that you shared that isn't easy to share. Um, but, you know, we're human and stuff happens and we live through it and we learn from it, um, you know. Yeah. Whenever you fail, it's your first attempt in learning and people need to, uh, don't be afraid to fail because you learn from your failures. You learn how to do better and be better. And, you know, that's all we can do. Try. Yeah. You know, I, I once read, um, it's only a fail if you, for, if you stop trying, if you don't get back up. Absolutely. Um, so no matter how many times that I have had sobriety and I, fell and then I got back up. Doesn't matter as long as you keep trying. Every single disciple that God used in the Bible had a bad past, had made a lot of mistakes and a lot of we all have. Even even when everybody wanted to 
stone, the lady in the Bible, you know, and God said, let you without sin cast the first stone. Yes. You know, I just, I hope whoever watches this, if somebody watches it and then, and they just feel like they can't make it, they don't know how to beat their struggle with their demon and everybody's is different. You know, it could be sexual perversion. It could be uh, gaming. It could be alcohol, drug addiction, narcissism. I, I believe that God can deliver you from any spirit, the spirit of depression, the spirit of anxiety. I just believe that you have to have the gift of desperation, the sincerity, the sacrifice. And, uh, you know, I, thousands of dollars I spent to get help, right? And it only took me talking to my heavenly father. So I just, um, I just, yeah, if, if this can change somebody's life, even if it's one person, then, uh, then I hope it does. No one would look at me today and think, wow, that lady, <laughs> she's, she's a hot mess. Nobody would think that today. And the people that have met me now and have never seen that person can't can't even picture it but the people that saw me there at my at my lowest at my bottom and who i am today can see the change there is a change um and i'm just super super grateful for that and even you know my friends that maybe don't understand or the people watching this that don't understand maybe that lady's a little far out there with all this spirit talk right <laughs> like what is she what is she talking about? This is all I know. I know that I believe that there is a power greater in me. And to me, that's my God, right? That, that's my that's father in heaven. And I believe that he created me and he's the creator of everything. And um, I, I believe the greatest creation in the, in the world is the human, I mean, in, in, in the universe is a human body and mind and computer. It's the best computer ever created, right? And uh, we we do everything we can to keep away from I believe we're spiritually, I believe we're all spiritual beings. I mean, I believe there's a spiritual connection, electrical, whatever you want to call it, right? And um, when I pray, we feed whatever we feed, right? If I feed the bad side of me, that's what's going to grow. If I feed the good side of me, that's what's going to grow, right? And when my new life, I read this and it's really powerful. I thought when you're new, when you stop praying, and seeking God in, in the things that you do in your life, your old life wakes up. Yeah. If I stop doing the next right thing and I stop trying to be a better person and do what's right and and I just quit, that's always knocking. That old life's always knocking, right? Today I don't have that thirst, but it doesn't mean if I if I went out and drank a drink, I wouldn't. It could it could take one drink. Thankfully, I don't have the desire to drink, and I hope I never ever do, ever again. But uh, I believe that God delivered me, and that I believe that one hundred percent. And I believe I didn't need thousands of dollars in rehab. Now I know that if something gets a hold of me, there's a spirit that gets a hold of me because believe me, it has. I mean, different negativity, uh, anger, right? I know my spiritual warfare is to pray and fast and seek God's will in my life. That's all I got to do. Kathy, thank you, you so much for it. coming on, for sharing. Um, I'm so proud of you, so proud of your journey, and so thankful for our friendship.
And I uh, hope that you get more platforms to speak on, to share, to reach larger audiences, because everybody is struggling with something, whether they want to admit it or not, everybody is struggling with something. And, you know, they, they just need the support, like, hey, I'm not alone to get through it. So again, thank you so much for being strong and being a voice for so many. I appreciate you truly. Thank you. Thank you so much for Wait. joining in. I hope this message speaks to you and means something to you. If you know somebody struggling, please send this message to them as well. And I will see you guys in the next episode. God bless you. God bless this country. And together we're Patriots Strong. Bye, guys.